He's Amit Carr, and I'm Telly Concepcion, and together we are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. We go beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. So come learn, grow, and have some fun with us. We are Beyond the Numbers Podcast. On today's episode, the guys provide a WNBA bubble update regarding turning out to vote. And in the NBA bubble, they update us on the start of the NBA season and the magic of Disney. In their continuing series, Race in America, The Power of the Collegiate Athlete, the guys break down the Pac-12 football players' We Are United movement, how it came about, what is being asked for, and their thoughts on what progress can be made. But first, their numbers of the day. My number for the day is 20. This is our 20th episode. We've beaten John Krasinski and some good news who only made it to eight episodes. We've doubled the total number of episodes of The Last Dance, which was 10. Amit, we made it. We made it. We're 20 deep. We're good. For all the support, please be sure to subscribe so you get all our new episodes first. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. And if you're enjoying Beyond the Numbers podcast, we ask that you share it with your friends. The more Beyonders, the merrier. Shouts out to Elaine in Brooksville, Florida, who says she puts us on at her store, Carlisle's Meat Market, each week. Shouts out to Orange Theory Fitness, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, who's rocking with us. Everyone's favorite teacher there, Natalie. Eric from Google and Mountain View, California, and Amit, they say, couples that beyond together stay together. And we've got Alex and Percy from Virginia. They do say Virginia is for lovers. And Mary and Mitch in New Orleans, Louisiana, one of my favorite places. I need to go back soon. We've got a pretty good set of followers so far. It's been fun doing the show, and uh, we definitely both thank you from the bottom of our hearts for tuning in, listening. We have a lot of fun making the show and, and sort of researching it, and we hope that you guys are all enjoying listening to all the things we find and put together for you. And we got many more to go, so stay tuned. We should ask for something we haven't asked for before, Amit. If you're enjoying what you hear, why not write a review for the show. Ratings and reviews do help people find out about this show. So whatever program you use to listen to this show, please consider leaving us a review or rating within it. That way we can spread beyond nation. Oh, we're just getting started. Just Just getting getting started. started. My number of the day is one million. One million dollars. Kevin Durant of the New York Nets. New Jersey, the New not Brooklyn, New York Nets earned his one million dollar bonus since the Nets made the playoffs this season. That's in addition to his thirty seven point two million dollar base salary that he made this season. He's made all that cash. He's got the million dollar bonus, and he has played a grand total of zero minutes zero seconds, zero milliseconds. He hasn't stepped on a basketball court in a live game this season. He's got a whole roster of guys in the Orlando bubble that no one knows of outside of the Nets coaching staff that should probably get a little bit of that bonus. 
Just saying. I agree. And if you split that 15 ways, I think if my math is correct, it's, 60, it's about $66,600 or so. So, Kevin, come on, man. Break, break your guys out. Take, take those guys out for a nice juicy steak. Before the business. Beyonders, it's time for Before the Business, where we answer your unanswered questions and find the numbers that went unfound in previous episodes. So Amit, last week, there was a commercial that debuted that was something, I mean, amazing, incredible, and beautiful. And it was the Nike You Can't Stop Us campaign. It's one of the best things I think I've ever seen. I do not envy the person who had to edit the videos to sync together. I couldn't believe it. It's hard enough editing this pod and I'm just doing literally our voices and sound (laughs) to match up sound and video side by side to have Serena and Venus Williams matched is one thing, but to have Anthony Rizzo matched up with a golf swing to have a track high jumper matched up with LeBron James dunking and his arm being up at the exact moment, to have someone breaking their bat, a Tampa Bay Ray, the Rays made it into the commercial, breaking their bat at the same time somebody was breaking their golf club. I mean, it was crazy that they matched these videos up perfectly. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. And as humankind, I agree, you can't stop us. Like we will continue. COVID-19, coronavirus is not going to detract us, is not going to keep us from moving forward as a society. I mean, the first time I saw it, the first time I saw it, I had to watch it a couple of times. I was like, wait, how, how are they doing this? How is this all spliced together so perfectly? But it's very, very impactful. Just how seamless it is, how everything is just interconnected so well. It was pretty awesome. We also got news that Patrick Mahomes. Show me the money, Mahomes. Show me Money Mahomes. Money, Money Mahomes. That's going to be his new nickname. I was going to say, I don't know his middle name yet, but he should be on middle name status. Um, Patrick Money Mahomes. We talked about him getting paid. We talked about him being the best quarterback in the NFL in Beyond the Numbers podcast episode 16. Highly recommend going back and listening to that. We went into the ins and outs of his deal, but I'm it. His peers his group, his boys in the NFL. He was only voted the number four player in the NFL. Number four. How? How can that be? How is he the fourth best player in the NFL? And number one was Lamar Jackson. No Super Bowl MVP yet. No Super Bowl appearance. Patrick Mahomes got you the MVP, the Super Bowl MVP, and brought the Chiefs back in the last few minutes. You got to remember Carson Wentz was the number three player in 2018. He's not even in the top 100. We'll see this as if the season happens, which I still don't think it will. If the season happens, we'll see how it plays out. Because, you know, that's just another chip on Mahomes' shoulder. And sticking with the NFL, we have Amari Cooper, Amit. Breaking news this week, Amari Cooper says three Dallas Cowboys receivers will catch a thousand yards this season maybe in madden <laughs> now and beyond the numbers podcast episode 15 we talked about one dak prescott so if three guys catch a thousand yard receiving 
who's going to be throwing that ball? It's the guy who's gotten paid $4 million for the last four years of his service in the NFL, which we feel is blasphemous. We talked about how he holds all the cards, and that means to me that Dak needs to get paid. Somebody's got to throw these guys the ball. Dak Prescott needs to get paid. Just remember, it's the Dallas Cowboys. They may have one 1,000-yard receiver, but they're not going to do anything this season. If and when they play, they will manage to hype it up and disappoint everyone, as they always do. I'm not worried about it. Dak should still get paid. We talked Dak about should get paid. episode 15. We in fact, in presented fact, presented the numbers. We showed you how he stacks up against everyone else in the league. He should definitely be getting paid. Pay Dak as much as you can. As much as you can. Don't worry about salary cap. Just pay him every cent that you possibly can to lock him down long term. Yes, do what the Giants did with Eli Manning. Exactly. Copy the exactly. Giants. Exactly. Copy yes. Ahmed's Giants playbook and just pay him. So Ahmed, we have some bad news in football. Some some really, really sad news in football. You know I love football. UConn canceled their football season, Ahmed. Is this a trend of things to come? Will more college football be coming out and canceling? Well, let's take a look at the numbers here. UConn canceled football because <clears throat> it cost them $15.4 million to have football, to have losing football, I might add. So they made the decision to cut it. And it looks like most universities are going to make decisions based on the bottom line, which means we have the big five programs that are going to try to push on and make that money despite some of the players' health concerns. This is called a tease. We will be talking about it in our first segment today. I agree. And I think as expected, UConn, UConn shut the program down. We we talked about this in an earlier episode about schools shutting down programs that were potentially losing money and in some cases even programs that were breaking even but they just didn't want to have anymore. So um, I, I think it's definitely going to be something we'll see. And just like I don't believe NFL is going to happen this year, I am still convinced that college football will not happen. But we'll be talking about that a little bit more coming up in our next segment. But let's talk about the Marlins for a second. The Marlins, who uh, still have not fully disclosed what happened before their big COVID breakout on their team, had to wander down into Florida on a bus from Philadelphia late last week, right as uh, the hurricane was popping up the coast. So that must have been a fun ride for them on their way down. I can't imagine being the bus driver of that taking 18 people that have tested positive and wandering down into Florida on a bus. Couldn't have been a lot of fun. Sounds but, like Florida to me, though. That just sounds like Florida. That's a Florida move. Oh, that is a Florida move. That's, that sounds like Florida. That's, that's fair. But the Marlins do have the best winning percentage in baseball right now. Granted, they haven't played a ton of games because they've been sitting out due to COVID, but they're 6-1. and one. They have the highest win percentage in baseball. But uh, if you thought that Major League Baseball would cancel games or, or, or not be able to have a 60-game season, as I have said many times, uh, they're going to try everything they can to make it happen. So while the Marlins were off, they will now have a seven-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies where they will play seven games 
in five days. And a bit of basketball news before we get to bubble news. So this is non-bubble basketball news. The Russell rule named after Bill Russell will be implemented in the West Coast Conference. It's similar to the Rooney rule in the NFL. We'll be digging into this and bringing you guys more details. But essentially, they are trying to make hiring more fair in the West Coast Conference and ensuring that black and minority candidates are given an opportunity for head coaching jobs and administrative jobs. Allen Iverson, Ahmed, I cannot believe it. We played clips during Beyond the Numbers early episodes of Allen Iverson's love, affinity, just his awe of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. He said that Michael Jordan is the only person that made him feel like he was looking at someone's aura, similar to Prince on the Chappelle show, where you could just see him glowing and standing there in front of him. Now, AI says he loves Mike, but he thinks LeBron is better? What? He thinks LeBron is better than Mike? Uh, Alan, how are you doing this, man? I'm just, I'm just, this caught me off guard. File this under Stephen A's blasphemous. Blasphemous. There it is. There it is. There it is. I'm sure we'll hear more. I'll just go ahead and say, you know, AI, he knows how to stay relevant. You know, he's trying to be cool. Michael hung it up a long time ago. Michael's trying to be quiet. LeBron is relevant. So, you know, what are you going to do? You can't talk negatively about LeBron. He's in the game now, and he can make a movie about you if he wants with Maverick Carter. So, you know, he's going where the money is. We can't be mad at him. One of our favorite MCs, artists, rap artists, as some people say, rappers, J. Cole wants to play basketball, and the Pistons said they're going to give him a tryout. This is all being handled by Master P. Make him say, uh, from back (laughs) in the day, Master P is handling J. Cole and representing him and getting him an opportunity to play in the NBA. Now, I will say, J. Cole did attend college, and he went to college on a basketball scholarship. So it's not that far-fetched. But Amit, can you see J. Cole on the Detroit Pistons? Or does it just speak to how trash the Pistons are? No, no, no. See, if you're talking about the Knicks, then maybe we could say I could see him on the Knicks as a publicity stunt, right? And he's a big Knicks fan, so that one would make sense. No, but hey, if if he can ball, give him a chance. Why not? What do they have to lose? So right here on Beyond the Numbers podcast, we're saying... Let J. Cole play, and we're going to start the hashtag J. Cole to Knicks. No, J. no, no, Knicks. no. No, that's the J. last Cole thing I to need. Knicks. That's the last <laughs> thing I need. The Knicks no. got nothing. J. Cole to the Knicks. He sold Listen. out. He has sold out Madison Square Garden more times than the Knicks did this past season. It's also cheaper to go see him than go watch the trash Knicks. So, so Beyonders, we got to get this trending on Twitter. Hashtag J. Cole to Knicks. Now let's get back to the business. So, Amit, it's time for our new segment, News 
from the NBA bubble. Bubble news. Yeah. Bubble. So we're going to start with Wubble news. You heard that right. Wubble news, which is the WNBA bubble also taking place down in Florida. They're also playing games. They've started their season and everything's been going well. They've reported zero positive tests. But Ahmed, this is going now to an owner of a WNBA team, Senator Kelly Loeffler, who's an NBA WNBA co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, wrote a letter to WNBA commissioner Kathy Engelbert objecting to the league's promotion of Black Lives Matter. The players have a right to free speech and they're exercising that speech, Ahmed. And I'm so proud because the WNBA has been at the forefront of social justice and promoting social justice and change in this country, even more so I would say than the men in the NBA, they're able to express themselves and express their vote. Quote, I think when all this stuff started happening with her, we didn't want to feel like we were pawns, Williams said. We can only control so much about what the league does and so for us, we wanted it to be bigger than that. That's kind of been the theme of this season. So we wanted to make sure we could still keep the focus on our social justice movement. And funny enough, Reverend Warnock is somebody who supports everything that we support and just happens to be running in that seat. So it just worked out really well. I'm not a political strategist. But what I do know is that voting is important and I think our league has always encouraged people to use their voices and to get out and vote, unquote. So the WNBA is making actionable steps available to folks. The WNBA would not remove Senator Loeffler from being a co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. And so they're encouraging people to vote for her opponent who is Reverend Warnock. So remember, get out and vote and remember, Vote Warnock. Let's not forget that uh, Senator Loeffler is also part of the group of senators, both Republicans and Democrats, who've had their stock transactions scrutinized over the past few months. Uh, Loeffler and her husband, who is the CEO of a company that owns the New York Stock Exchange, dumped millions of dollars in shares after she attended a closed door Senate briefing on the coronavirus back in January. The couple also ended up picking up a few investments in companies that have benefited in the pandemic. So probably not the cleanest move over there. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Ahmed, because I actually forgot to include that in my note. But yes, Senator Loeffler also is benefiting from a closed door Senate meeting regarding the health, safety, and well-being of Americans with coronavirus. She was early in the meeting and senators are barred from using information they gain in these secret meetings to trade on. Her and her husband clearly, allegedly traded on this news and we'll see what comes of this, but just not good. Again, vote Warnock. In NBA news now, NBA bubble news, Donovan Mitchell also used his voice to bring light to the social justice movement in America wearing a bulletproof vest with the names of all the unarmed victims of police shooting. He wanted to make sure that the media could see. And he also said that he is not removed from this violence that can take place in this country. He is a black man like any other black man, not an NBA player when he's pulled over. He's an African-American man in this country. And he wanted to make sure he brought 
light to the names of the shooting victims in this country. Matisse Tybal, our favorite bubble player, Amit, Philadelphia 76ers. He did another episode from the bubble. And in it, you can see the deep discussions that continue to take place on how to continue the conversation on racial justice in America. What's really interesting in this conversation is that it's a continued conversation and it's continued education as well, because we constantly have to be learning and educating ourselves on the things that are going on in our country, how the laws affect it, and how history has got us to this point. And it looked like the guys were very much engaged in that conversation. So they brought in international players, reaction to it and the perspective they have and the willingness to get involved was interesting because you know they're uh, one of the guys he's from turkey and in turkey you have to salute the flag it's punishable by jail time and so he was unsure until his african-american teammates educated him on it and he was proud to stand with them that was really interesting to see that education taking place almost in real time and the guys feeling like they had to step up they didn't want it to feel like they were going against America or going against this great country that's providing them the opportunity to make money playing a game they love, how it would be seen in their countries. But they understood the freedom of speech that were afforded in this country and that they could kneel with their brothers on the sideline before games. A little lighter NBA bubble news from LeBron James. LeBron James apparently now is involved perhaps in witchcraft. I don't know, Amit. Black magic? Actually, we're going to go with black magic on this one because his beard magically went from gray to black. Amit, how did this happen? There's two things. One, the man needs to shave his head. This receding hairline is getting ridiculous. He's got an inverse mohawk. It's receding from the back. More from than the back. <laughs> yeah, it's like back to front. I don't even know what's going on there. But I assume that he will be in Just For Men commercials pretty soon, right? Him and Emmett Smith can get together and they can start doing, uh, fix that little beard, get some of that gray out, maybe, maybe a little salt and pepper look. Honestly, before he did this, he was starting to look like Uncle Drew. He was getting that Uncle Drew look. You could have almost seen him join that crew. Well, you know, it's, it's all about the buckets. As Uncle Drew <laughs> says, it's all about the buckets. But the one thing we can't deny, the old man can play. Yes, but apparently, can. the young man cannot. And we're talking about Zion Williamson's load management. With a chance to win the game, he was sat on the bench with five minutes remaining in the game. They would not play him. I'm not sure what's going on here with this. Someone watched The Last Dance, right? Someone watched and said, you know what? We're sticking to these numbers. We're not doing anything. We're, uh, if, he's, if he's given 25 minutes a game, once those 25 minutes are up, doesn't matter what's going on, he's going to sit and watch. He's young talent. You don't want to break him early. And he's already had a little bit of injury problems. And Telly, be honest with me. Are the Pelicans doing anything this year? Well, the NBA's got to be pissed because the only reason we have so many teams in the bubble is because they were trying to rig the system so Zion would get the eighth seed and play LeBron in the first round. That's the only reason we have this many teams and we didn't go straight to the playoffs was to try to jerry-rig, actually gerrymander, to get Zion into the playoffs. So they've got to be upset with this. The Rockets, Amit, look really good right now and i think this small ball this uh you know 
backyard basketball might work. Cause you know, James Harden is the type to like play in the Uncle Drew league. He plays in the off season. So I think he's making moves here. And I think Toronto is a quiet front runner at the moment too. Everybody's sleeping on them, myself included, but Toronto is looking like the best team, one of the best teams in the bubble. They have been the best team in the league since January 16th of this year. And nobody can name three guys on that team. You're probably right. Nobody can name three guys on that team. You're probably right. But look, I mean, that core of that team is the same, right? All they did was lose one superstar, but they've kept all the other pieces around them. I know nobody can name them last year either. But they can't name them this year, but all they do is win. We got to talk about Carmelo Anthony's redemption. Skinny mellow. Carmelo Anthony has entered the bubble looking pretty sleek. Supposedly my boy hasn't lost any weight, but he's definitely dropped a lot of fat and put on some muscle. He's looked pretty good so far. He's still mellow, right? So you're not gonna get a lot of defense out of him. He's still gonna play a little ISO. Still gonna take some shots, right? He's gonna be mellow, but he definitely looks lighter on his feet and he looks like he's moving a lot better than he did even with the Knicks back in the day, so. But he is playing D and he's diving for balls and he's putting his hand up to block shots. He's hitting dagger threes in the fourth quarter to close out games. He said the media gives him no respect, but I would argue he's doing all the things now that the media were asking him to do in order to elevate his game. And it's working, it's elevating his game. They asked him to come off the bench. He laughed. He said, I never come off the bench. Now he's coming off the bench. He said he wouldn't play outside in the perimeter and and pass and not be an ISO player. He's doing those things. So what is he talking about? The media was hating on him. He's doing what they told him to do. I mean, he did it against the Rockets. And remember the Rockets? I don't even know if the Rockets cut him as much as like, it was a breakup through text. I mean, they didn't even like invite him to practice anymore. It wasn't even like, we're cutting you, we're trading you. It was just kind of like, just go away, just don't come back. So How he many did games? It against the Rockets. How many Let's games? It holds up. He How many games? He got his revenge. Okay, first of all, the Nets just beat the Bucks. The Nets, can you name one player on the Nets? One, name one. Spencer Dinwiddie. Not playing. One player that's in the bubble playing for the Nets right now. That's all. I that's out. right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And they beat the Bucks. The Heat were up on the Bucks 20 yesterday. 20. Now they lost by 20. Think about that. They were up by 20 at after halftime and they lost by 20. But that's the Miami Heat. But it's it's been a it's been four games, I think, for Melo this season. Well, back in the bubble now. Do you know how the Nets beat the Bucks? How? They said they were hanging out by the pool at Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who played the who played the Bucks the night before, were giving them the secrets on how to win against the Bucks. You know what they told him? If Giannis doesn't play in the second half, you'll win. And Giannis <laughs> didn't play in the second half and they won. So I mean, That's they true. won, but That's true. And for what it's worth in the Heat game. Giannis didn't play in the first half against the Heat yesterday. I mean, he played, but he didn't play. And he played in the second half and they lost. So your New York Nets beat the Bucks. Your New York Knicks are going to sign J. Cole. We're going to make this happen. The <laughs> Knicks are going to sign J. Cole. And also, Ahmed, I'm making bold prediction here. 
on Beyond the Numbers podcast. Melo's redemption trip to the Knicks, five-year max deal, close out his time with the Knicks. Let He's him 36. Rot in New York City. He's 36. He's New York's son, but it would be the most Knicks thing to do. Give him five years. He's 41. He's 36. Vince Carter played the 42. He's 36. I know, but it would be the most Knicks thing to do. Y'all would have Melo. Y'all would have J. Cole. And then y'all would have who else? You guys can sign that dude from the TBT tournament, Elmore. So the Knicks could be Carmelo, Elmore, J. Cole, throw Master P in there. And then y'all can sign Joe Johnson and one of the Monstars. I'm done with you. (laughs) I'm done with you. This has been news from the NBA (laughs) bubble. That's the news from the bubble. News from the NBA bubble. Bubble news. Yeah. Bubble news. For our first story, Race in America, the power of the collegiate athlete, specifically the We Are United movement. Numbers for this story, 98, 1, 2, 3, and 4. 98% because unjust rules prevent the 98% of college football and basketball players who won't go pro from capitalizing economically on what would otherwise be the most valuable years of their lives including many black players from low-income homes, hashtag we are united. And the We Are United movement started by players of the Pac-12 are asking for four things, hence the numbers one, two, three, and four. One, health and safety protections, specifically COVID-19 protections. They want to allow the option not to play during the pandemic without losing athletics eligibility or spot on the team's roster. They want to prohibit COVID-19 agreements that waive liability from the universities and have mandatory safety standards, including COVID-19 measures put into place and player approved health and safety standards enforced by a neutral third party selected by players to address COVID-19 as well as serious injury, abuse, and death. Point number two, protect all sports. Preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. So even though this was put forth by football players of the Pac-12, they want to ensure that all sports are protected. They want to end performance and academic bonuses and end lavish facility expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. As an example, we talked to you guys a few weeks ago about Stanford University. They're asking specifically in their manifesto that Stanford, Stanford University should reinstate all sports discontinued by tapping into their $27.7 billion endowment that they're currently sitting on. Point number three, end racial injustice in college sports and society. They'd like to form a permanent civic engagement task force made up of leaders, experts of their choice, and university and conference administrators to address outstanding issues such as racial injustice in college sports and in society. In partnership with the Pac-12, 2% of conference revenue would be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income Black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on each campus, and to form an annual Pac-12 
Black College Athlete Summit with guaranteed representation of at least three athletes of our choice from every school. Point number four and the last point, what they're asking for, economic freedom and equity, guaranteed medical expense coverage. So they like medical insurance selected by players for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19 illness, to cover six years after college athletics eligibility ends. They like their name, image, and likeness rights and representation. They like the freedom to secure representation, receive basic necessities from any third party, and earn money for use of their name, image, and likeness rights. And fair market pay rights and freedoms, they like to distribute 50% of each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports six-year athletic scholarships to foster undergraduate and graduate degree completion. They like the elimination of all policies and practices, restricting or deterring their freedom of speech or ability to fully participate in charitable work and their freedom to participate in campus activities outside of mandatory athletics participation. They like the ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment and additionally in cases of abuse or serious negligence. They like the ability to complete eligibility after participating in a pro draft. If the player goes undrafted and foregoes professional participation within seven days of the draft, they would have the right to come back to school. And they like due process rights. In other words, the universities can cut these players from these sports without giving a reason and without any due process or representation, they can be cut or eliminated, losing their scholarship in the process. For those of you that don't know the story, a seismic shift is happening in the Pac-12. This past Sunday morning, a group of players published the above mentioned list of demands via the Players' Tribune seeking improved health and safety precautions, as well as pushing for significant economic reform. But the most important issue to the hundreds of players behind the movement was racial justice. We'd like to read it to you now, so you know, it's, know it in its entirety. To ensure future generations of college athletes will be treated fairly, we are united. Because NCAA sports exploit college athletes physically, economically, and academically, and also disproportionately harm black college athletes, we are united. In rejecting the NCAA's claim that black lives matter, while also systematically exploiting black athletes nationwide, we are united. Because we're being asked to play college sports in a pandemic, in a system without enforced health and safety standards, and without transparency about COVID cases on our teams, the risk to ourselves, our families, and our communities, we are united. Because we must have adequate COVID testing to help protect our health, we are united. Because we are prohibited from securing representation while being asked to sign documents that may serve as liability waivers, we are united because we should not be stuck with sports-related medical expenses, including COVID-19-related expenses, we are united because any player who does not feel comfortable playing this season should be free to opt out without losing their scholarships or any eligibility, we are united. Because immoral rules would punish us for receiving basic necessities or compensation for the use of our names, images, and likeness, while many of our of while many of us and our families are suffering economically from the COVID-19 fallout, we are united because we should be included in equitably sharing the revenue our talents generate, especially in a pandemic. We are united because unjust rules prevent the 98% of college football and basketball players who won't go pro 
and capitalize economically on what would otherwise be the most valuable years of our lives, including many black players from low-income homes, we are united. Because eliminating lavish salaries and facility expenditures to preserve all sports must be prioritized. We are united because the NCAA has failed us and we are prepared to ensure that our conference treats us fairly, whether or not it continues its NCAA membership. We are united. Informing alliances with college athletes from other conferences to unite with us for change. We are united. We are united in our commitment to secure fair treatment of college athletes. Due to COVID-19 and other serious concerns, we will opt out of the Pac-12 fall camp and gain participation unless the following demands are guaranteed in writing by our conference to protect the benefit both scholarship athletes and walk-ons. So those are strong statements, on and that's brave. A lot of them are on scholarship. They're at the will of the university. And to be able to write this and commit to getting a list of demands out and asking for it to be answered in writing, I thought was extremely insightful because, you know, these are college kids. And I'd like to say that my 19 year old self would have, would be forward thinking enough to put this pen to paper and threaten to not play uh, for being put in this situation. But, you know, I think the coronavirus and COVID-19 has brought forth a lot of the issues with these sports, which is if it's not safe enough for the students and the teachers to be on campus and they've canceled all other fall sports, how do they expect the football players to show up? And how does that not show a blatant disregard for their health and safety, right? If it's not safe enough, for any other sport to take place, because the majority of the other sports lose money, as we've covered in previous episodes of Beyond the Numbers podcast, and football is a huge money generator for the universities, then the universities are proving that they don't actually care about the players as much as they care about making money from playing the football season. And it's unfair to ask these guys to sign waivers and sign paperwork, which we had to do all the time when I was on the team, that we really weren't agreeing to. And I don't know if in baseball you had to do the same and sign the same at Rollins on it. We only, we practiced less than 20 hours this week, knowing that you definitely practice way more than 20 hours that week, you know? All of that stuff, man. Like the, uh, you can only practice this many hours a week off season. You can't have coach like coached practices before said date, but you know, coaches handing out, here's what you have to do. I can't be there, but we're videotaping practice and I'll watch all of that stuff happen. That's that's pretty much basic stuff across now, the board. Imagine imagine this virus now and they're asking you to play, right? Like that well, that's really the issue right now is because we, we covered Edwin Rodriguez last week and the health ramifications it has on him. And he's a professional he makes a couple million dollars to pitch and now his heart could be permanently damaged but a huge question mark around what does this virus do to you physically long term and that's the question mark we don't know and that's the risk if you're not being paid you're still young that you're being asked to answer like is it worth it look at the end of the day through our conversations about sports in general in this pandemic what they're asking for is a set a set of rules and regulations and guidelines and protections that they can ensure all athletes have at that level to ensure that they can safely play 
right? That's that's one of the key pieces here. And I understand that the, the COVID-19 concerns and the health concerns tie in with the other pieces they have about uh, player empowerment, Black Lives Matter, making sure that you care about the athletes. But to, to, to your point, right, we're only, and we've seen this in the MLB, right? You're only as good as your weakest link. So if only two of the Pac-12 teams have these certain things in place and other teams don't, you're going to get it. You're going to get it, right? If you don't have a set set of rules across the board that people can follow and you're ensuring it's being actually enforced, you're going to have problems across the board. And so this is going to be a definite issue for all these players going into I'm glad you brought that up, This the health. And so this is about health and safety and, and inequity. And I think, like you said, it also shows how unorganized the NCAA is as a ruling body because originally we were told, well, we're only going to have conference games so that the conferences can manage themselves. Now we're having conference games. And part of the complaint from the Pac-12 was that, hey, we're looking at students at Stanford, here where I live, in Silicon Valley, and they're getting tested every day. And they have medical experts going to their practice. And you play at Cal at UC Berkeley right up the street. We're not getting that. But when Stanford plays Cal, if the guys at Cal were not adequately tested and the guys at Stanford were, like you said, it does not matter. matter. We're going to tackle each other. We're playing against one another. If they have the virus, I'm getting the virus. So nobody is safe in this scenario. So the conferences aren't holding up their end of the deal, nor is the NCAA. And the whole point of not playing interconference games was for more protection, but the conferences aren't legislating across all the bodies of the schools evenly. And check it this way. Look, some schools are going to open. Other schools are going to say, hey, we're going to be at 50% capacity. Our semesters are going to be different. So we're going to start a little later. We're going to finish at Thanksgiving and not come back until January, right? Because one of the things that everyone's worried about is everyone goes home for Thanksgiving. All of a sudden, you're bringing everything back to campus after Thanksgiving to finish out the year, right? So a lot of people are doing in school from whether it's late August, early September, through mid-November before Thanksgiving, then go home, you're done for the year. What are these athletes gonna do? Their season doesn't end before Thanksgiving. If these schools are doing at home learning for the majority of their students or, you know, limited, right? So at this point, if you're saying that these football players, basketball players, athletes in general, whatever athletics you have running, right? If you're still continuing to have those happen, but your school policy is, you know what? It's really not safe for our entire student body to come back, but these athletes need to come back because they bring in money for us. That's going to be the conversation. That's the optics we're looking at. And it perpetuates that, uh, plantation mentality right where you're looking at the players the players look one way the coaches look a different way the administrators look a different way and i'm, I'm talking specifically about race so the majority as i said we went through the numbers the majority of coaches are white the majority of administrators are white the majority of players are black you're asking the black players that don't benefit from this situation economically at all to put themselves in harm way while you as a coach and an administrator benefit economically in the fact that you get paid millions of dollars and so the guys have connected the dots to identify what that is so you know kudos to them for basically following the money in this case and figuring out that it leads back to that's part of the reason that they're being put in this situation. (laughs) 
Of course it's money. When you look at the the hundreds of millions of dollars involved in Division One sports, come on. People are people are working on learning from home, right? It's not safe to go out. Look, even even professional sports are like, hey, we, we really can't be congregating. Right. This is yeah. this is not a space we can congregate in, right? No fans, we can't have but it's not yeah, gonna work in college. You're hundred percent right. It's always been about money. I think COVID nineteen is laying these sins to bear, right? Like the the tide has come in and now you can see that it really is just about the money before you could hide behind, oh no, it's safe. All students are here. Oh no, it's safe. We all do this. But when you start canceling sports, like we talked about a few episodes ago, but you pulled in millions of dollars more than what the sport that you just cut costs, then you have to explain that. When you're telling students, it's not safe for you guys to come learn here, but it's safe for the football players to come be football players here. You have to explain that. So you're absolutely right. It's always been about the money. I never doubted that, having been through that experience myself. But I think now it's harder to kind of, it's harder to hide behind anything else. It's definitely about the money. That's all we're trying to do is make the money right here. And it's, it's like, and, and look, I, I understand the argument against paying players. And, and we've seen a shift, a seismic shift in sort of how the, the paying college athletes has changed. I know Florida's opening it up next year. I know various states are doing this. California too. Yeah, so we're seeing a shift there, but you know the argument against is, but hey, these guys are getting paid for their education, right? Which you and I both know, if you're a college division one athlete, I was not, but you were a division one athlete. You, you've got a crazy schedule to manage to be any sort of student. And yeah, for most of these guys, if you're a starter, the amount of time you actually have for studies, you don't. It's a huge disservice to the guys. I mean, come on, I, I was a walk-on. So that meant a lot of times I wasn't allowed to eat the food that the team put out. So I practice all morning and they'd have food set up for, for the players. And they say, oh, you're a walk on. You can't eat this food. So I would be hungry after practice. And I was never given a dime from from Florida Gator football. I made it to UF on an academic scholarship. And I know that, you know, a lot of these guys are on football scholarships. And I played with high profile guys. You know, we had Tim Tebow, we had Brandon Spikes, Reggie Nelson, Percy Harvin, Joe Hayden, Lewis Murphy, Andre Caldwell, the Pouncey Twins, the list goes on and on, Earl Everett, Dallas Baker, uh, David Nelson, Tate Casey. But I also play with D-Rob, who you know. I also play with Brandon <laughs> Kendrick, who you know. Yep, and, yep. And, and I've been to Brandon Brandon's wedding. Congratulations, Brandon. And, and Kyle Newell, and Latrell Alford, and Mike Williamson, Chris Pintado, Joey Sorrentino. Those are the guys you guys most likely haven't heard of, but they are also on the team and they don't benefit in any way. And a lot of guys who did benefit and were guys that you knew whose posters hang hang on people's wall, who people pay on eBay money to get a football that they signed. I can tell you for a fact, they're not living it up. They're not living on the high hog, you know, and there's guys who didn't get drafted or got drafted and got hurt and tried to come back to school and were denied the ability to come back and get their education. They were no longer of worth to the university, so they were pushed to the side. And I think that's what these guys are talking about in terms of having a representation and, and getting paid for their services. And maybe it's not you know, a check 
that we hand to each player when you're 19 that you're going to that spend foolishly. Maybe it's a 401k type of situation where you start a fund that gets money contributed into it that you can access at a certain point in your life. And whether you go professional or not, you have access to that money to, to help your life, your parents' life. There's a lot of guys whose parents live below the poverty line and they would send money home because mom and dad didn't have food or have enough money to pay the electric bill. And I think that's what this is really getting at. And there's some guys who come from privileged backgrounds who play football, they're great at it, and there's nothing against those guys. But what are we doing for the guys who don't? You know, what are we doing? And if they don't finish their education, what are we doing? But my hope is that this begins a real conversation about improving the situation for all college athletes and looking at equitable ways. Because, you know, we talked about, hey, stop putting all this money into facilities and coaches. I understand that paying coaches brings better coaches to your area, but let's look at what we can put in towards the players, whether it's scholarships, whether it's helping, all of those things. And, and like you said, I think that's a great idea, having some sort of fund for them down the road, just like a pension plan or, you know, like a late, late, late life healthcare plan, whatever that looks like. These are all ideas that I think they need to start working towards. Is this going to get punched out this year? I doubt, but these are all positive things to look at. And they're not just looking out for themselves either. I mean, they're looking out for the other sports. You played baseball and baseball didn't bring in a lot of money at the university. But as a football player, I don't want the baseball program cut. So we're saying, look, we as a football program brought in hundreds of millions of dollars. The baseball program costs 10 millions to operate. Don't cut them, take from ours and, and give to them so that we can keep both programs going here at the university. So Telly, you know, we've had this great conversation about where athletes have been, where they're going, um, what their demands are, how they're trying to improve the overall, you know, status of student athletes in general for all sports, not just baseball, not just <laughs> baseball. See, look what you did there. Not just football and basketball, but all college sports and not just, not just black athletes, all college athletes, right? Because this, you help one group, you know, a group comes together and you help all groups that are part, right? But how did we get here, right? So when we look back to uh, how this specific group in the Pac-12 did this, right? We look at the, not the head, but one of the organizers and it's Jack Curran, right? And he stated, when we first got started, our only thought was coronavirus, right? And Jack Curran is redshirt senior at Cal who helped organize all this at the beginning. So we started talking to some of our teammates and they said, what about Black Lives Matters issues, right? We don't want to detract from those issues. And the more that we started talking to them, it became clear that the two issues are one and the same, right? And tell you and I talked about this earlier. The same ones handling these regulations are the ones set to make millions if we play, right? So if our health and safety are not number one, we wouldn't be on this campus. Is essentially what these groups, what these guys came together and realized. Yeah, and through group text and social media, the Pac-12's players, many of whom um, in the California-centric conference have been friends since childhood, basically they started comparing notes on how their schools were handling COVID-19 and quickly realized what they'd been told about uniform standards within the conference wasn't true. Quote, I think we're doing pretty well at Cal, Curran said. The fact we're going to have to play these other schools, a little unsettling. Coronavirus is the most pressing issue of the moment, but it's just put a spotlight on how college athletics work. 
they rely so heavily on us to bring this money in and we don't see a penny of it. End of the day, this is about money and we've got to get paid. On July 31st, Huma and Ellen Staderowski, a professor at Drexel University, released a study that positions amateurism as, quote, a tool of racial injustice, unquote. They see it all as a wealth transfer, taking income from predominantly black athletes and giving it to predominantly white institutions, which pay the highest salaries for jobs almost exclusively filled by white men. The study estimates the value of each Pac-12 football player from 2017 to 2020 was $1,097,816. And for many players, this is when their services are most marketable. So exactly what we were saying at the top, Ahmed. This is a study done by Drexel University talking about the value, putting a value, putting a dollar amount on each football player at around $1.1 million that they contribute to the university and they see $0 of that $1.1 million and are not able to make money off of their likeness or in the future because you can't get paid for being a college athlete. So there's just about 73 million reasons why these colleges want them to come back? At least. And that's <laughs> at the very least. And we're talking about the Pac-12. We're not, ta we're not talking about the SEC. We're talking about the Pac-12. Exactly. So this just reemphasizes why they want their athletes back and playing. And at the expense of their health. So this is an evolving situation. And we wanted to start the conversation. The, but the Big Ten has jumped in now and written. And several Florida Gators retweeted and asked for SEC athletes to get together on something similar to this. So we will keep you guys posted on this if there's changes and on the evolving situation. Let's wrap this thing up. So we took you in our 20th episode on a ride with us. We took you on the monorail, Amit, into Disney, into the NBA bubble, where beards turn black, Mello turns skinny, and the Knicks plan on signing both Mello and Jay Cole. Stop it. Stop it with the nonsense. It's where now. magic happens. Disney is where <laughs> magic happens. That would definitely be some sort of magic. Now, I could see the Knicks signing Melo to a max contract, but Jay Cole, I think Jay Cole's going to be on the Pistons if he goes anywhere. Now, he may have like a good four games with the Pistons and then the Knicks sign him to a max contract, but that's about all we get. In our more extensive piece, we broke down the Pac-12 football players, We Are United movement, what they're asking for, how it came about, and our thoughts on what progress can be made. And we're looking forward to keeping you updated as things progress. Thank you for going Beyond the Numbers with us. We're a weekly podcast dedicated to going beyond the numbers of sports and life to bring you the story within the story of the stories that matter. We're available on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening on now, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe button to get our latest content. And remember, you can find us on Instagram, Beyond the Numbers Podcast, and on Twitter, at BeyondTN Podcast. Till next time, peace! peace.